Welcome to 153 Great Podcasts, a ministry of 153greatfish.com. Praise the Lord, everyone. I want to pass along this message by a 76-year-old preacher who impacted my life with this message, and I think it's going to impact yours. If you'd like to know his name, send me an email, and I'll be happy to supply it. Uh, This message was delivered in Columbus, Ohio. God bless you. I was praying for more faith. I had seen a lot of people healed. I've seen a lot of people delivered. But I wanted more faith so that somehow I could overcome intimidation and fear. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, son, you've got enough faith. You've got faith right now. He said, I'll tell you something. Faith is not the antidote for fear. And it stunned me. I said, what? He said, love is the antidote for fear. Perfect love casteth out all fear. learning how to hear the voice of God. Because in the last days, the Lord dealt with us and said, my sheep know my voice and another they will not follow. And then he showed me in the book of Revelation, which is to me the last church age, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hear my voice and open up, I'll come and sup. He said, they got to hear my voice. The knock just tells them somebody's there. The voice tells them, Who's there? And you're living in a generation of TV and internet and news media and all kinds of crazy stuff, and you are being bombarded by voices. And if you don't know the right voice, you're going to open your life to the wrong spirit. And the, to me, the greatest Old Testament prophet before John the Baptist was Elijah. I loved Elijah. He's just my man. And uh, he uh, calls fire down from heaven, ends a three and a half year drought with a few words of prayer. He outruns a chariot 19.2 miles through Jezreel. He gets into Jezreel and this old bag, Jezebel, walks out and says, uh, seeing what you did to my old man and how you made everybody look so stupid and killed my preachers, uh, I'm going to do to you what you've done to my prophets about this time tomorrow. You got to get me how powerful a voice is. She didn't have an army. She didn't bring any chariots. She had no swordsmen, no spearmen. All she had was words. Listen, listen to me carefully and I'm fixing to preach. Words create pictures. Pictures create feeling. Feelings create actions and actions produce destiny. So if that old bag with her voice could run the greatest Old Testament prophet out of town. So he went over 90 miles into the wilderness to get to Mount Horeb. When he got in the cave, said, if this old gal with her voice could run my preacher out of town, I'm going to use my voice to put him back to work. And it wasn't the earthquake, and it wasn't the fire, and it wasn't the wind. It was the still, small voice. And you're going to have to learn in your life how to hear and recognize how God talks to you. He will not talk to you like he talks to me. I've got a different makeup, but he does want to talk to you because you serve a speaking God. I'm reading from 1 Kings chapter 17. And Elijah the Tishbite, verse 1, who was in the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, which is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, and he went and dwelt in the brook Cherith, that is, and is that 
before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass, after a while the brook dried, because there was no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth unto Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. He rose and went to Zarephath, and when he was come to the gate of the city, Behold, a widow woman was there and gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, I pray thee, uh, would you mind just getting me a little vessel of water so I could have something to drink? And as she was going uh, to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, <laughs> this is so neat, not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise and behold i'm gathering i may go and dress it for me and my son we may eat it and die wow that's a great outlook and uh so elijah said unto her fear not go and do as thou hast said but make me a little cake first and bring it unto me and after make for uh make according uh, make for thee and for thy son now the now the speaker the voice is the same but the speaker's changed now he says for thus saith the lord god of israel the barrel of meal shall not waste neither shall the cruise of oil fail till the day that the lord sendeth rain upon the earth she went and did according to the saying of elijah and she and he and her house did eat many days the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord. I'm supposed to tell you tonight, if you'll do what he told you, you'll experience what he promised you. If you'll do what he told you, you'll experience what he promised you. Listen to me. Contrary to what we often tell people, the promises of God are not self-fulfilling. You can be pregnant with the promises of God and like Israel, die outside the promised land. The promises of God are simply divine revelations of intention. When God gives us a promise, that is his royal intention to try to inspire us to believe and to act and to reach and to experience. So it's not enough to say, well, I've got a promise from God. Israel was pregnant with promises from God, and they never got into the promised land. You are never going to possess what God has promised you if you're not willing to pursue it. You got to go after it. You got to get a little crazy once in a while and just say, I got to have that. I got... I got to tear open the roof. I got to do whatever I can. Let me go a little further. And you're never going to pursue it until you're, until you're persuaded it's available. You ready? Expectation is always the birthplace for the miraculous. You got to expect something to happen. You got, you got to reach for something. Never mind how you feel. It's what you know. If you don't remember anything, remember this. You are closer to your miracle than you realize. Miracles are not hard. Miracles are just God acting like himself. See, we're, we're living in a generation of, of nincompoops. Beware, brethren, of them that come among you bringing strange doctrines. 
What strange doctrines? He ain't the same. He don't heal no more. He don't give people the Holy Ghost no more. They don't talk in tongues no more. The gifts of the Spirit went out with the apostles. The devil is a liar. He is the same yesterday, today, forever. And whatever he has done then, he's wanting to do right now. B.B. Warfield was the head dean and professor of Harvard University. B.B. Warfield was the ding-a-ling that introduced into the Christian community the damnable doctrine of that after the death of the last apostle, there were no more miracles, signs, and wonders. There were no more healings. There were no supernatural occurrences. And the so-called Christian world bought it because they didn't have any. And it made them feel good that now this schmo turned around and said, it ceased with the last apostle. I got news for you. Ain't nothing ceased with the last apostle. He's still Alpha and Omega. He's still the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He's the Rose of Sharon. He's the Lily of the Valley. He's the bright and the morning star. He's the root and the offspring of David. You ready? And he's on your side. I said he's on your side. I wish, I wish I could get a witness, and if God be for me, it does not matter who or what is against me. Can no devil take me out? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Oh, I'm no match for hell, but hell's no match for heaven. And I'm pregnant with heaven. You see, there is a divine order with God. There's no, it's no mass mayhem. It's no like, I believe in Jesus. No, it has nothing to do with that. Maybe I better back up a little. He says, I want you to go to the brook Cherith. I've commanded the ravens to feed you. Here's the key word, there. Let me ask you something, Flash. I know you're here, but are you there? I know you're here, but are you there? What is there? Where God has pointed you, where God wants you, the attitude he wants you to have, the outlook he wants you to have, the faith he wants you to have because nothing's there, because the ravens are only going to show up there. Yes. Stay, stay, stay with me. I'm talking about the divine order. Divine order. Here's what it is. First, it's commands. Ready? Then comes promises. I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. Ready? Here comes the kicker. Then comes obedience or compliance. That's where it all gets lost. And then the last part of divine order is performance. What he's saying, if you can count to four, you can get your miracle. What is God asking you to do that's holding up your miracle? But if you're going to have a miracle, you're going to have to do what he told you to do. He told, he told them to go to the brook Cheereth and drink of the water, and the raven's going to feed you. And he stayed there. And after he stayed there a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain or dew. Okay, so sometimes God, if he wants to, can dislodge you from your comfort zone oh, yes. Yes, and, and take you to another place. Watch what happened. After the brook dried up and he stopped the ravens from feeding him, he turned around and he said, Arise. I love that. In his, in his driest place, in his loneliest place, the word of the Lord can come to me in my darkest moment. Arise, go to Zarephath which belongeth unto Zidon. And he said, Behold, I've commanded a widow there to sustain thee. Boy, the greatest prophet he's got in the Old Testament, and now he makes him totally dependent on a poor shape.
sneaky, scrawny little old widow who's gathering sticks. Because God's going to make sure that if he's going to use you, he's going to kill all the pride out of you he can't. Yes, sir. You, you can get, see, see, the brook cheereth, that's the cutting place. Zarephath is a refining place where all the junk comes out of there. So when God puts us from cheereth to Zarephath, he's just saying, I got more work. Why? Because after Zarephath comes Carmel. See, we, we want the fire to fall, but we don't want to stay at the brook cheereth, and we don't want to go to Zarephath. Now, maybe this doesn't turn you on. It turns me on because I, I wrote the notes. Now watch, if you're going to get what he's promised you, you got to do what he told you. And sometimes when God tells you stuff, it don't make no sense. Here's why. His word ain't supposed to make sense. It's supposed to make saints. Anybody besides me, when you first came in church, some of the stuff that God told you or the preacher told you didn't make no sense, but you complied with it and you obeyed it and you submitted to it? Because the Bible says where the word of the king is, there's power. He said, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. Well, if you read your Bible, Sidon is outside the promised land. I want you to go to Zarephath, which belongeth to Sidon. And I want you to abide there because I've had a widow assigned to take care of you. This is what's mind-boggling. Sidon, ready? Sidon is the home of Eth Baal. Now, wait a minute. Let's try it again. Who is Eth Baal? I'm so glad you asked me. Who is Eth Baal? He's Jezebel's father. Uh, you missed what I just said. I'm going to put you in your enemy's backyard, and I bet you he can't find you. God can hide you so good, your enemy can't find you. He can't mess with you. God put him... In Eth Baal's yard, and just to prove that that stupid Jezebel was dumb, that she could not hurt him, preach his preacher. Don't you get it? He's going to huff and puff and try to blow your house down. God ain't going to let him take you out. But you're not going to experience what he promised if you're not willing to do what he told you to do. I don't know how many times in my life God divinely protected me and put me in a place where hell couldn't get to me, hell couldn't find me, hell couldn't destroy me, hell couldn't defeat me. See, he always wants to challenge your, your reason. He wants to challenge your facility of intellect to let you know that it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. And so the Lord is the Lord of the impossible. So he puts us in what seems to be impossible situations. And then stepped back and said, watch me work. So she turns around and she made him a cake first. And the power of God was released. And he supernaturally sustained that whole family with him through the rest of the famine. While everybody else was starving to death, they were doing fine. Why? Because it's a principle with God, a divine order. If you do what he told you, he'll let you experience what he promised you. But the experience of the promise is contingent upon whether we do what he told us. You came over here to get healed. The preacher just told you how to get healed. And you don't like the method. You want the miracle, but you don't like the method. The miracle is an obedience. The miracle is an obedience. Wait a minute. Command, promise, compliance, performance. 
You're only one act of obedience away from the supernatural. Luke chapter 5. They fished. They didn't catch nothing. Jesus using their boat as a platform and a pulpit. And he says, okay, I'm finished teaching. Let's, let's go out and launch out in the deep for a draught. Now watch. When the Lord talks, he always talks from the end towards the beginning. He's already told the results. He said, talking some stuff. Don't you get it? That's the difference between us and God. When God starts, he starts at the end and works backwards. When we start, we start at the beginning. No, God starts with the climax. He said, launch out your boat into the deep for a draught. So the miracle has already been guaranteed. You're not getting it yet. And, and, and Simon Peter, I feel so sorry for Simon Peter. He says, Lord, we, we fished all night. We've taken nothing. Look, it's almost like an apology. Uh, nevertheless less at thy word. That makes me so mad when I read that. Because he, he didn't say, at thy word. He says, nevertheless at thy word. Peter, wake up, you schmo. At thy word. He created the heavens and the earth by his word. He created the galaxies by his word. He created the solar system by his word. He cast the devil out of heaven by his word. He's begotten us by the word of God. His word is powerful. His word is full of authority. His word is a miracle word. He says, let down your nets for a draught. So he said, okay. Peter said, I'll let down the net. Now, I'm, you know, I'm not an English student, but I can read. Nets is plural. Net is singular. He said, let down your nets, plural, for a draught. Peter, he lets down one net. Bible said he got so many fish, the net broke. How many fish were lost because his faith was so minimal? What have we lost because we won't do what seems silly? God is on your side right now. I'm going to ask you again. What is God asking you to do that is holding him back from performing what he promised you? Now, I can't answer that for you because I'm, I'm not you and you're not me. You understand that God, almighty, omnipotent, ate anything with his mouth shut. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Come on, open your mouth. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord right now. Believe God wants to do the miraculous in your life right now. You are so close to your miracle. When, when he turned around and said, cast your net on the right side, they were two feet from the supernatural. And the only thing that was keeping back the performance was whether they would do what he said to do. See, this miracle stuff ain't hard. Man, I've had such great things. I've just prayed for a little boy, and, and this guy walks up to me, Brother David, on the platform, little boy, six, seven years old, handsome little guy, tie, vest, tie. He said, said would, would you pray for my boy? I said, well, sure, I'd pray for you. What, what's the matter with him? He said, he was born blind in his left eye. He's missing a part of his pupil in there, and there's no surgery that can fix him. So, and I looked at the little boy, and I said, little man, uh, if you ask Jesus to fix your eye, would he fix your eye? And that little boy went, yes, sir, he would. And I said, well, he's going to fix your eye. He's going to fix your eye. I said, now, I want, you to, I want you to put your hand over your good eye. And so he put his hand over the good eye. Okay, now he can't see out of this one. And I said, how many fingers do I have up? And I go, he can't see. I said, okay, now put your hand over the bad eye. I said, now what? We're going to ask the Lord 
to fix this. I looked at the little boy and I said, now Lord, I couldn't heal the headache on a dead frog. And I said, I'm no healer, but you're a healer. And this little boy's got his whole life ahead of him. And I'm as loud now as I was then. I said, now Lord, have mercy on this little boy and, and, and open his eye and fix this thing that's wrong with him in Jesus' name. I didn't feel anything. I didn't break out talking in tongues. I didn't shake. I didn't see Elijah come by in a chariot. I just, okay. So, so then put your hands down, put both hands down. I said, okay, now we're going to do a little test. And I stood back over here just a little ways. Now you stand right there. I said, now I want you to put your hand over your good eye. Now, five minutes ago, he was blind. I said, okay. Now his dad's standing right here. So I looked at him. I said, okay, little man, now answer me. How many fingers do I have up? He said, I said, how many fingers do I have up now? I said, how many fingers do I have up now? Put your hand down. I said, sir, the Lord just opened your boy's eye. You've been listening to 153greatpodcast.com, a ministry of 153greatfish.com. Please subscribe, and better yet, help us by contributing. God bless you.